Hello, Fellowship. Thank you for participating in the elder nomination process. After a deliberate season of prayer and discussion, our elders have three new candidates for the Office of Elder to present to you today. Michael Collier, Brett Rings, and Brian Denman. If you don't already know these gentlemen, we would like for you to meet them. Hello, Fellowship. My name is Michael Collier. My wife Mandy and I have been part of Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas for over 20 years, serving mainly as leaders in the community and small group ministries. Mandy and I have been married for 21 years. Our daughter Michaela is 16 years old and we have a son, Matthias, who will be 14 very soon. One thing that has me jazzed up right now is the growing number of people wanting to worship together again. The pandemic was hard for everyone, but I didn't realize how much I had taken for granted what worshiping together corporately meant to my life. It has been rejuvenating to sing, pray, and listen to the preaching of the word with more and more people each weekend. I'm excited about the future here at Fellowship, and I'm honored to be nominated as a candidate to serve as one of your elders. Thank you. Hi, Fellowship. My name is Brett Rings, and my wife, Leanne, and I have been married for 34 years. We originally came to Fellowship 21 years ago because of the small groups. Leanne and I strongly believe in the benefits of small groups, where you live life with one another in community. In addition to leading small groups, we are also involved in children's ministry, greeting, and I help coach a group of men in Springdale. I'm both humbled and honored to be nominated as a candidate for elder here at Fellowship. Thank you. Hey Fellowship, my name is Brian Dittman. My wife Megan and I have been involved at Fellowship Bible Church for the past 13 years. It has been a joy to lead community groups, Financial Peace University, Discover Fellowship, as well as serve in the children's ministry over the years. Megan and I have been married for 15 years and have a seven-year-old son named Sage, a four-year-old daughter named Hattie Pearl, and a two-month-old son named Crew. I love that Fellowship is a gospel-centered church that strives for our name to be nowhere and our fingerprints to be everywhere. I am humbled and honored to be nominated as a candidate to serve as one of your elders. Thank you. Thank you, Brett, Michael, and Brian for your willingness to participate in the elder nomination process and be considered a candidate for the office of elder. It is a tremendous responsibility to be an elder of Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. And your willingness to be considered a candidate speaks highly of your character, integrity, commitment to Christ, and service in our church family. Now, if you are a member of fellowship, we have one more request of you. If for some biblical reason, you feel you cannot follow a particular candidate's leadership, please email me, mirapier at fellowshipnwa.org, stating your biblical objection and do so no later than Monday, March 6th. I will call you personally and we can discuss your objection, which must have merit based on biblical elder qualifications. We require that all elders have 100% affirmation from our body. If you have no objection, we assume that you are affirming the candidates that the elders have set forth from the pool of nominees that you provided. Please pray for these new candidates as well as our current elders. We are grateful to each of you who participated in the nomination process. 
And with your affirmation, we will add Michael Collier, Brett Rings, and Brian Denman to our board this fall. And finally, we would like to thank Steve Lampkin, Stephen Weber, Rod Easley, and Dick Nervick for their years of faithful service as elders. They have represented our body well and will now become shepherding elders. If you see them, express your appreciation. Blessings to each of you. Like Mickey said, if you see Steve or Dick this morning, give him a hug. Dick was a former wrestler. You can try to put a wrestling move on him. Uh, thank them for uh, just serving as elders. They have been faithful. They've done a great job, especially serving through COVID and the pandemic. That was probably the most difficult time to be an elder. So grateful for them. Grateful to be at this point in the process of having three new elder nominations. These are great uh, men that we've got. Uh, I know all three of them and really grateful. Um, good morning. My name's Abel. And if I can ask a favor of y'all, if you would not mind scooting to the middle, uh, there will be a lot of people that will probably come in between now and the end of the service. So it will help our ushers. Thank you all. I see people moving. Kath, thank you. Um, so yeah, grateful to have y'all move. Look at the shuffle. I might just wait a minute. Well, yes. You know, I'm not sure how I did that. That was uh, some Jedi mind trick. Seth just asked how I did that. I have no idea. I've I, never seen that happen I asked them to do that like all the time and nobody moves. <laughs> they just stare at me like, uh-uh, ain't happening. Actually, back in the tech booth, they told me to wait. Uh, and so I, I think the pause, I think the dramatic pause was the success. Um, so these are my friends Shane and Stephanie who are standing here waiting to be introduced, going, what are we doing here? Uh, Shane and Stephanie have been around fellowship for about seven years, and they have been community group leaders, big hearts for missions, and um, recently have really poured their lives into the foster and adopt ministry. And so uh, a couple years ago, Shane and I had lunch, and he said, hey, we'd, we'd like to kind of champion this for fellowship and start a small group. We have a lot of families that are involved in the foster and adopt um, ministry here at, in, at Fellowship Mentonville, and so we'd like to kind of pull that together. And so share a little bit about uh, y'all's journey and, um, and kind of how this came about. Yeah, thanks, Abel. Appreciate the opportunity to speak on behalf of all the other foster and adoptive families here. So our journey started um, before we ever met. God had placed a desire on both of our hearts uh, to adopt, and we met, got married. I talked her into having one, and we happened to have two at once. Uh, and it's from there that our journey took a, a painful turn. Uh, we, uh, we lost one of our daughters after an 18-month battle with the impacts from, from Down syndrome. And while that altered our future, um, it, we still had a desire in our hearts to adopt. Um, and we started to, pers uh, to pursue that. And in that time of, of waiting, God started to draw us towards the call and uh, foster care. And it hadn't been on our radar at all at that point. And then after two years of waiting to adopt and two failed adoptions, uh, we eventually adopted our youngest, Kalia. And then we said yes to foster care. And after a couple of failed attempts to get open for foster care, we finally did in early 2021. And it's kind of through this journey that 
God's uh, built in our heart a desire to kind of step into those hard places and, and care for others. And uh, it's, it's a very difficult space, but it can be so rewarding to see our, our oldest Sophia love on her foster sisters without compulsion from us. It makes it all worth it. Yeah, so God's really transformed your lives personally through this process, and you all want to uh, be a link to our body here, and uh, share a little bit about, um, about that. Well, foster care and adoption can be very isolating, and having people that understand is invaluable and necessary. We launched a small group for current, former, and prospective adoptive and foster families to be heard, loved on, and prayed for. While organizations like The Call are incredible, our church should be the first place we turn to. Ultimately, our vision is for foster and adoptive families to be adopted themselves by a community group. You don't even know what that would mean to have them supported practically. Yeah, that's right, dear. I, we all have a place to participate. Uh, it may be fostering, it may be adopting, it may be cooking a meal, it may be babysitting. There, there's a place for everyone. Uh, th this space is difficult. The need is great. There, at any given time, there's 450 to 500 foster children just in Northwest Arkansas alone, and there's less than 200 homes that are open. That's a big need, and it, it's not okay. We've got to do something about it. Um, and when you think about the number of churches, there's well over 200 churches in Northwest Arkansas. So you can do the simple math. It takes about two open homes in every church. And if that happens and there's no kids sleeping in the office at DHS, there's nobody in a, in a group home. And like, we can do that. This body alone can do that. Yeah, I just encourage you individually uh, as a couple to be praying. Lord, do you have, what, what do you have for us in this space? And even your community group, you know, we, we remind our body, hey, community groups are a place to belong and to grow and to serve and to multiply. And so this could be a, a way that your community group could reach out and serve in our community. Um, the Patrice Acts and the call ministry will be at the resource booth at the end of the service if you'd like to visit more with them. Last week, Mark stood here and said uh, and asked us to pray for the 28,000 people that had lost their lives in Turkey and Syria. That number is now at 46,000 um, confirmed. And so um, we, we have the obligation to pray to pray and to lift up, uh, you think about just the, um, the devastation of the, the families of those 46,000 people. Um, let me, let me uh, read Psalm 57.1 and, and pray this over us this morning. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the de disaster has passed. Let me pray. Oh, Lord, uh, there are so many needs. Lord, there are kids in our communities that are hurting and grateful for the Patrice Act and so many families that are taking on the responsibility to care for these children. Thank you for the call ministry and what they do to support these families. Lord, thank you that we can trust in you, that we can turn to you in times of trouble. 
Pray for all the families in Turkey and in Syria that have lost loved ones. Lord, would you prompt our hearts to pray and to do what we can to support and to love and to be the hands and feet as the body of Christ. We love you and we lift it up in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, it was about two weeks ago on a snow day uh, that I wrote this song that we're about to sing. And um, I was thinking about uh, the scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And, um, and I wanted to sing a song about that, kind of unpack that. What would that look like for us to experience freedom? Um, with the Spirit of the Lord, and then uh, the Spirit of the Lord brought to mind uh, Jesus' words in Matthew 18, where he said, where two or more are gathered in his name, he's there. And so, first of all, I just want to say, I want to invite you to be a part of gathering in his name this morning. And that doesn't mean you just showed up for a religious service. That means that you are setting the Lord before you, that we are each individually are seeking the Lord. And then corporately, we are here in his name, gathered in his name. Does that make sense? So if we would join in that, the promise is that he's here. Two or three are gathering in his name. He's here. And what did we say before? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So we get to experience the freedom of Christ together in this place. And so I wrote this song. I want to share the, the, the first, uh, the chorus with you. And so we can just kind of show you how it goes. Um, but I want to invite you to stand with us. And um, get ready, fellowship. It, it's a little bit more up-tempo. I know we don't normally do that, uh, but just loosen up. Maybe, maybe let's experience some freedom in this place. This is a non-judgmental zone. Uh, so let's enjoy the music. Let's enjoy the Lord's presence among us. Let's set him before us. So the verse says we've come, we've gathered in this hour um, with intentions set to, to seek you. We're gathering in your name. We're looking for you. Uh, we come expectant. And so let's just take a moment, actually, and just pray. Father, um, help us to turn toward you, to fix our eyes on you, not on anyone on a stage, not uh, even on the, the things that might want to distract us uh, for things that are coming up, um, whatever it might be, God, would you just allow us to be present to you and to one another in this hour that we're given, that we can worship you and that you can, you can pour out your love on us. God, we want to meet you here in this place. So it goes like this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's joy beyond compare Where the Spirit of the Lord is Love casts out every fear Where the Spirit of the Lord is 
and the Spirit of the Lord is here. You can sing this, right? Are you with me? Let's do it.
Spirit of God, Lord and giver of life, moving between us and around like wind or water or fire. Breathe into us your freshness that we may awake. Cleanse our vision that we may see you more clearly. Kindle our senses that we may feel you more sharply. And give us courage to live as you would have us live through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Good to see all of you. I was in the last service and I leaned over to my wife during the music and said, boy, the worship sure has changed in 33 years since you and I started doing it here, hasn't it? And she said, yeah. What a beautiful service. And they're not finished. They'll be back at the end with some beautiful songs. You know, I'm curious about something. How many of you are new to fellowship since we opened this campus? Could you raise your hand? Oh, wow. Look around. Look around. Raise your hands high. Raise your hand. Come on. Don't be. Yeah. yeah, welcome. I guess it was a good idea to build this campus. Hey, I just wanted to let you know, uh, give you an update. We have four teams on the ground in Turkey and heard from one of the teams this week. And they are assessing what we can do. And so we are going to be sending some funds their way. And uh, many of you have asked, hey, what can we do? What we, can we do? And here's the thing. You were so generous to our disaster relief uh, the last time we opened the portal that we already have funds to send to them. We're, we're ready to go. As soon as they tell us what the plan is, we're ready to send funds and we will. But I'm not going to ask you for more money until we need it. All right. Now, I know that's strange for a church, uh, but I'm not going to ask you for more, more money until we exhaust that fund, and then we'll let you know and open the portal. So just to give you an idea, uh, we are in Daniel chapter 3 today, and so turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3, and let me ask you a question. Are you fearful of the future? I am. Got a new little granddaughter. Got two grandsons. When I think about the future for them, if they put place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if they're serious about their faith, I know they are going to face severe opposition. Our world is not going to get better and better because the Bible doesn't tell us it's going to get better and better. It's going to get worse and worse. And what was once thought unthinkable is now common. It's all around us. And if you speak against those things the Bible tells us are clearly wrong, then you will likely be canceled. And it will get worse from there. 
There was a time when I wondered about Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes when he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I thought, persecution? It seemed like everyone pretty much bought into the same values that we did. Right? For the most part. But not anymore. And then it seemed that Jesus was almost repeating himself because he said, Blessed are you, and he talks about persecution again. But he wasn't repeating himself. He was getting more personal with his disciples, who all except for one of them would be martyred for him. He said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Then he said, rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they treated, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Persecution is here, and it is likely to stay. But regardless of the cost, as the church of Jesus Christ, where biblical issues are concerned, we must not be silent. Where biblical issues are concerned, we must not not be silent, but as Max Lucado once wrote, truth need never scream. Truth need never scream. We don't have to shake our fists in the air. Scriptures tell us to come, let's reason together. So in Daniel 2.46, we see Nebuchadnezzar overwhelmed by Daniel's incredible prophetic vision of the future as he interpreted the king's dream. Now, why do we pay attention to somebody like Daniel? That's the Old Testament. Well, I want to give you a little context for that because in Matthew 24, 15, when Jesus was telling his disciples about the terrible things to come, look what he says. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. If Jesus thought Daniel's words were important, then so should we. We should give credence to those words. And so the blazing fiery furnace and the the lion's den of Daniel, they're not children's stories. There's stories for all of us, and we should listen carefully to what God is saying through those stories to all of us, telling us how we should live. And so let's review what Daniel uh, heard Nebuchadnezzar say at the end of chapter 2. King Nebuchadnezzar bowed down before Daniel, and he rewarded him. He acknowledged that Daniel's God was above all gods. He elevated Daniel to a high position in his government. And at Daniel's request, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if from Veggie Tales, Rackshack and Benny. The Benny down here on the second row there. He elevated them to a high position. 
We meet them in chapter 1 in the company of Daniel as being head and shoulders above everyone else that had been brought from Judah to Babylon. We told that they were young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. The kind of young man you want your daughter to bring home. These guys were sharp. They were top-notch young men, committed to God, it seems, above all else. And we'll see that they demonstrated unwavering faith in their faithful God. We must maintain unwavering faith in our faithful God. If you don't remember anything else I say today, remember unwavering faith in our faithful God. So we see them in chapter 3. They were tested. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. It was about 100 feet tall. And set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Dura was about 6 miles southeast of Babylon. And he then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, uh, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. From this point forward, I will call them provisional officials. Or maybe I'll just call them the politicians. So all the politicians assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it, stood at attention. And then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do, everyone. And as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, from hereafter known as musical instruments, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Kind of a, a tough punishment there. And therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, this little game he was playing was sort of like a reverse musical chairs combined with the Hunger Games. You know, if, if you didn't do it right, then they just killed you in the blazing, fiery furnace. He was a brutal man. So they were accused. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. Why did they call them Jews? Because they were from Judah. And so they were called Jews. They were foreigners living in a land but, uh, that was not their own, but they were achieving high status. And so there was some jealousy going on here. And they said to, the, to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the musical instruments must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Note the hint of jealousy. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who pay no attention to you. 
Well, that's one thing you don't want to do is ignore the king. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you had set up. Nebuchadnezzar, furious with rage. And remember, there was a time when he liked these guys. He, he liked them. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Very good. You know, all is forgotten. Very good. Just, just fall down and worship it. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? In other words, bow or burn. Bow or burn. He's quickly changed his tune, no pun intended, about these three fellows and about their gods. Remember what he said earlier, that, that, that your God is the God of gods, that your God is the Lord of kings. Now watch their response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Excuse me? He's the king. Kiss the ring. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And I want you to mark this in your Bibles. Mark this. Verse 18. But even if he does not. Even if he does not. This is so important for us to digest. Especially with dark days ahead. We want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods. Or worship the image of gold. You have set up. We will not compromise our beliefs because the culture says it's okay. We will not culture what uh, we did not compromise what the Bible says is true because other people don't believe it. Nope. They're either going to bow or burn in Nebuchadnezzar's eyes. Now I want to have a look at this verse eighteen. Number one, they were respectful. Truth need never scream. They were respectful, and yet they were resigned to the will of God. We aren't told that they prayed for a miracle, and it doesn't seem they were expecting one. Like Job, it was as if they were saying, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Though he slay me, yet I will Trust in him. They love Yahweh more than life itself. And they could not be bought. So that begs the question. What about you and me? What if we pray and we pray and we pray for a situation? What if we have other people gather around us and pray? 
And God doesn't respond to our requests on our terms. Are we going to be angry with him? Are we going to wonder if he is there? Is he listening? You know, in the elder board, we pray for people often. It's one of the great privileges that we have. We have people come in, and, and, and most of the time they're very ill. And they ask us to anoint them with oil and pray for them. And we do. But we always assure them that though we are praying in faith, believing God is able, that we do not presume his will for their lives. We do not pray presumptively as if we were telling God what to do. We pray in faith. We pray confidently that he is able. As we all should. And yet resign ourselves. That he may have a different plan. And only he knows what that plan is. We should follow the example of Jesus who said not my will. But your will be done. That's our example. We have examples in the scriptures where God sovereignly allowed people to suffer and die. One of my favorite chapters in the scripture is Hebrews 11. The great heroes of the faith. Look at verse 35 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. There were others who were tortured refusing to be released. So that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. So much for the health, wealth gospel, huh? Yeah. Persecution was real then, and it's real now. Martyrs through the centuries have died with great faith, knowing that they believed in a God who could save them if it was his will. Sometimes he did. Sometimes he does heal. But sometimes it's on the other side. Okay, get your camera ready because I'm about to show you a QR code in just a moment. The World Watch List for 2023 has just been released. The World Watch List is... Uh, data that's kept up of the countries, the 50 countries in the world where Christians are most likely to be persecuted. And I keep this list on my prayer list, and I will take three or four countries every day and pray faithfully for them. I pray that the Holy Spirit will move through those countries, that the leaders there, that God would speak to them, that they would have dreams and visions, that, that they would stop persecuting Christians. I pray for the Christians there, that, that they would... Have courage as they stand strong for the gospel. And as you go to their website, you can click on one of these countries and it will give you information for prayer. Now, have your phone ready because here's the QR code coming up. 
you can go to this QR code that will take you right to the list. I want to encourage you for those who are persecuted for Christ around the world, they are counting on our prayers. They need our prayers, and we believe the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous makes a big difference. That's a promise of Scripture. So they were sentenced, verse 19. You know, we just say their names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's not that personal. But put a face on them. Greg, think about what if this were Brody? What, what, if, what if Brody were one of these boys? What, what if it was one of your sons or daughters who were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace? What would you do? Would you get on your knees and cry to the king to spare their lives? Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. And so these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. Now, I wondered about this verse. Why are, were we getting a fashion statement here of the things that they were wearing? No. This verse tells you that everything they were wearing was flammable. They were wearing clothes that would immediately catch on fire in the blazing furnace. They were tossed in. And the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. But then something happened. We don't know how long that they were in there. But then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. There was something different about that fourth one. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Oh, he's changed his tune again, hasn't he? Servants of the Most High God. Come out. Come here. He seems relieved and excited by what he sees. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and, and royal advisors crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. You can almost picture those accusers sniffing them. Do they smell like fire? Do they smell like Boy Scouts after a weekend camp out? No. There was no smell of smoke or fire or no hint that they had been in the flames. No effect at all. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. 
They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. He was a violent man, barbaric man. For no other God can save in this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's look at the summary from Nebuchadnezzar himself. Praise God. He sent an angel and rescued his servants. They trusted God and defied the king's command. And they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve any God but their own. What does application for you and me look like? Allegiance to God. Not conformity to the world. Should be my highest aim. And in order to do that, in order to have allegiance to God, we got to know what this book says. We've got to know what this book says. We have to understand it, study it, have it in our hearts. Somebody tells you, well, somewhere in the Bible it says a penny saved is a penny earned. Say, no, that was Ben Franklin, I think. Know what the Bible says, not what you think it might say. Second thing, God is able to deliver me, but I trust his sovereignty. I trust him no matter how my heart is broken. No matter how afraid I am at the circumstances around me, I trust you. Third thing. I never walk alone. I never walk alone. Those three boys didn't walk into the fire alone, did they? I believe it was the pre-incarnate Christ who met them there in that fire. The fourth thing, I will not compromise my faith in God regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost, I will stand firm for what I believe. Just as firmly as those who believe in things that aren't true. In light of this story, here's a challenge for you. Fellowship, our desire is that every person be a fully devoted follower of Christ with a ministry focus. Is that you? Are you a fully devoted follower of Christ with a ministry focus? Looking for what God has called you to do and fulfilling it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because of who he is and what he's done? I challenge you to it. In, in, in light of, of these three young men who are willing to bow or burn, I challenge you to carry out his purpose for your life. You won't regret it. I've tried to put myself in these guys' sandals to think about approaching that blazing furnace. As the fire got hotter, on their faces, the sweat began to pop. And they may have looked at one another and said, this is it. 
This is it. This is really it. They were human. They didn't want to die. But they weren't going to compromise what they believed in God. And I, I would love to have heard the conversation between them and Christ in that, in that furnace. <laughs> you just wonder what, it said, what he said to them. But you know that, that they were words of, of encouragement, love. In his book, Killing Christians, written in 2015, Tom Doyle tells the following story. You may have heard this before, but it's worth the retelling. He said, a group of underground church leaders has committed to reach both Muslims and Alawites for Christ in Syria until these leaders are martyred. To seal their commitment, they gathered money together to buy a graveyard in which to bury each other. Fareed is the leader, and he tells us, as of this writing, none of us have died yet. We rejoice by greeting one another with the words, the graveyard is still empty. We all know it will not stay empty. But meanwhile, we're grateful. Satan is on the rampage through Syria, the lion fighting to annihilate the church. Torture and killing continue every day. And each month we hear of new terrorist groups forming. All seem intent on outdoing one another and committing unspeakable evils. He says, I, I used to think I lived a life of sacrifice. But that changed when the war broke out. What I thought was sacrifice was actually just an inconvenience. Once we bought the graveyard, we gave up our right to live as we pleased. We consigned ourselves to a violent death, whether a sudden bullet in the brain, beheading, or a torturous crucifixion. Pray for us in Syria. But please do not feel bad for us. We have never been so free. <laughs> what an incredible story. We have never been so free. And though we are willing to die, our graveyard is still empty. I don't know if that graveyard is still empty. I don't know if Fareed is still alive. But remember that name. And maybe in your time of prayer, lift his name before God. And the names of others that only God knows who are standing firm for their faith in persecuted countries. When I visualize Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepping into those flames, I think of Romans 8. I think of Christ meeting them there. These words, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? <laughs> Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 
know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Those three boys experience God's love in that furnace. And nothing, nothing can separate us from his love. Except us. Except us. When we choose to reject him and live our own way, we tell God to go his own way, that we've got this thing called life. And we do so to our own peril. Would you bow with me? Babby Mason wrote these words a long time ago. It was a song that said, What can separate you from the precious love of God? Who could ever come against his strong and perfect love? So when you're in the valley, when your nights are cold and lonely, the darkest hour is just before the dawn. Remember, nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate you from God's love. Oh, dear God and Father, inspire us today through the lives of these three as our world continues to change, just like Fareed's did, where we've only experienced inconvenience in the future, it may be much worse than that, especially for our children, our grandchildren, and so God Help us to pour into them the kind of faith that they'll need to stand up and keep their eyes on you, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, Lord, may every person in this room feel the touch of your love in their lives. May we all be committed to walking with you through the fire, if need be.
love ending the service that way. We touched on a lot of hard things. We touched on hurting kids in our community. We touched on the loss of life in the Middle East. We touched on three people who were in an impossible situation. And you may identify uh, with, with some of that impossibility. And so um, we, we want to be able to laugh at the days to come because Jesus is our firm foundation. Thank you all for leading us through that. It's really, really good. Um, yeah, clap. A couple quick things as we close. Um, Shane and Stephanie Patrizak, you heard earlier, will be back at the resource booth with the call to visit with you about foster and adopt ministry. Um, the Loving Choices baby bottles are turning today. You'll see those out in the foyer. Uh, we have some devotionals for Lent, and uh, they are in the early childhood and elementary area. 200 hard copies. They may all be gone, but you can uh, find it online. Uh, you can get your own digital copy. Chris and Jeff Gross are over here, and they would love to pray with you. If you have a burden that is too heavy for you to bear alone, they would love to bear it with you. And... Uh, Thank you all for being here. I talk to a lot of people that uh, say they love fellowship, and they're really enjoying it. And I say, well, have you gotten to know some people? And they said, no, we don't know anybody. We love fellowship. And I say, well, you, you got to connect. And so uh, a couple ways to connect is out in the community booth. There will be some people that would love to visit with you after the service. Or you can scan the QR code, and we'll reach out to you and help you get connected to this wonderful body that we are grateful for. Um, let me close the service with this benediction we read earlier, Psalm 57.1. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your rings until the disaster has passed. Fellowship, go in peace, and we love you. <laughs>